Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach. And this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. I hope you're doing well, whatever you're doing, and wherever you are today. If you're just joining us, welcome. We're a few weeks into a new series where I'm addressing themes that regularly come up in my practice and the catchphrases I find myself saying over and over to couples. Last week, we talked about the fact that our spouses aren't responsible for our happiness, but why we still expect so much of them and subconsciously still hold to this false notion. We talked about how part of the reason we expect our spouses to meet our needs for happiness is because while the purpose and reasons for marriage have shifted throughout history, especially in the past 200 years, our mindsets in large part have not. A few hundred years ago, couples hoped to get their basic needs met through marriage, but today, couples hope to get their every need met through marriage whether they're aware of it or not. Their self-esteem, their confidence, their fulfillment. And as we've talked about before, not only is this expectation unrealistic, but it places way too much pressure and burden on marriages to actually thrive. So it's like as our world and technologies and social structures change and evolve, our thinking about our own happiness and how we then relate to our spouses is somewhat behind the times. Basically, we need a new model. So what I want to do today is give you a countercultural way of looking at yourself your spouse, and your marriage as it relates to happiness, health, and holiness. Let's start with taking a look at yourself. Who do you tend to look to to make you happy? Your spouse, your parents, your children, your bank account, your social media following? Who do you allow to influence your inner world? Who do you give permission to inflate or deflate your self-worth? It's human nature to seek validation and approval and belonging because we were meant to experience those things, primarily in relationship with our Heavenly Father, receiving our identity through Him, and then living within balance in relationship with others. But sometimes we settle for the validation and affection of others or other things to stabilize our sense of self. Now, as Christians, we understand that the love of money, power, and greed, finding our self-esteem or self-worth in those things isn't virtuous, right? So we're pretty conscious about not placing our identity in those things, or at the very least, we feel convicted when we realize that we have, or that they've in some way become idols. But what about the love of being loved, of being needed, of wanting to be happy and to have your spouse make you happy, of seeking to get every need and want met by your spouse? What about seeking the love and approval and desire of another human? over seeking the love and approval and desire of our Heavenly Father. See, when we look to external measures for self-definition, even seemingly honorable measures like our marriages, we unwittingly surrender our choice in the matter of finding happiness and contentment and joy. The song we unknowingly sing when we look for our spouses to make us happy is, All to my spouse I surrender, all power over my emotions I freely give. I will ever strive to change him in frustration daily live, (laughs) right? Let me give you a personal example. I remember wearing my husband out in the first few years of marriage. Even if he didn't see it this way, looking back on it, I certainly do. 
I had this idea that Evan should regularly go out of his way to exhibit romantic gestures. And this ongoing conversation was always a touchy subject because every time I brought it up, I would earnestly try to communicate my point by laboriously explaining how hurtful it was to me that he refused to love me or woo me in the ways that I wanted. Now, to be clear, my husband is one of the most steadfast, consistent, empowering, and reliable people in my life and in my corner. And yet, for some reason, I still wanted more. Why? Well, I think there are several reasons for this. Number one, previous experience. Both in my family of origin and in other relationships, I had been conditioned to expect certain things from Evan that weren't universal, that may have not been realistic, and that certainly weren't supportive to my personal growth. Number two, my high expectations. And number three, cultural and Christian reinforcements, both of which have been influenced by Victorian ideals like we talked about last week. So through church, as well as rom-coms, food for thought, I received the message that women are to be cherished, sought after, and the object of a man's pursuits. It's just that in rom-coms, we call this romance, and in Christian subculture, we call this husbands loving wives like Christ loved the church. But here's how I know that my mental image for a godly marriage was more culturally influenced than biblically influenced. Because when I was able to step back and take a look at my relationship, Evan was already cherishing me, already sacrificing for me, and loving me more like Jesus than I'd experienced before. It was just that I had gotten caught up in cultural notions of what romance should look like and had also gotten tangled up in similar messages that seemed to make their way into Christian teaching on biblical marriage as well. So what this created in my life was disillusionment and disappointment. My expectations didn't help or serve me. It left me perpetually feeling bad and discontent about my marriage. And it didn't help my husband, who was already loving me well. And no matter how hard I tried or how subtly I tried to drop hints, I just couldn't seem to get my husband to change or to become somebody different. Imagine that. But thank God, right? Because had I been successful in my attempts, I wouldn't be talking to you on this podcast right now. (laughs) What do I mean by that? I mean that I would still, to this day, be preoccupied with whether or not my husband was making me as happy as I possibly could be. And here's the scariest thing. If he would have obliged and tried to become someone he wasn't for me and my own unhealthy notions of love, all that would have done is propped up my own emotional and spiritual and relational immaturity. But instead, it was this conflict and internal tension that I needed to grow me up in the ways that I needed to. I learned to accept him for who he was and how he was rather than to praise him when I felt happy or withhold my affection when I didn't. I learned to fully appreciate his love for me, not anyone else's style but his. And most importantly, I learned how to work through my own emotions and underdevelopment which required repentance, adjusting my expectations, stripping them down to only what was true and reasonable, and trusting the Lord to grow me up, which is exactly what needed to happen in order to deepen my marital intimacy and create health rather than dysfunction in my marriage. Does that make sense? And just so we're clear, lest this episode be used as an excuse for bad behavior, 
As I talk about desiring my husband to change early on, I'm talking about my own unfair and unreasonable expectations, not something that actually needed to change, like a relationship in which there's any type of emotional or verbal or financial, physical, sexual, psychological abuse. This episode does not address marriage relationships in which change is necessary for the safety of one or both spouses. And I also want to make sure that this episode is not used against anyone's spouse in any way. I want to make sure that no one comes away from this episode saying, well, on the Brave Marriage podcast, this woman said that your unhappiness spouse is your problem. So I don't need to change or take a look at myself or humbly submit myself to the Lord. It's you who needs to do that. Because when you do that, I won't have to do anything and you'll feel better problem solved. Okay, and I just wanted to make sure that we were clear on those two points, because while we're talking about taking personal responsibility, to use this episode in any other way would be the exact opposite of that. That would be the self-serving, easy way out of your own work, when scripture says that each of us should not look only to his or her own interest, but also to the interest of others. I just wanted to be clear that when we're talking about happiness here, we're talking about it in terms of how we've come to define happiness in marriage and what we unrealistically expect our spouses to provide based on everything that we talked about last episode. But I really want you to stop and think about this for a second. Have you taken a similar position of feeling unhappy, disappointed, or even resentful in your own marriage because your spouse won't change or be who you want him or her to be? Have you dealt with frustration on a daily basis over your spouse not looking like you think they should? Have you emotionally suffered or felt miserable or pleaded with God for your spouse to change into the version of a husband or wife that perhaps a Christian leader or influencer has convinced you is the only true version of godliness? If so, what I want to offer you is that first of all, you're not alone, and second of all, I want to help you take back some of your power today, some of your choice in your own emotional state, right? Because you, as a man or a woman created in God's image, have already been given everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who already called you. He didn't call you to preoccupy yourself with how happy you're making your spouse or how happy your spouse is making you. He called you by his glory and his grace. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom from all of that. Not more boxes, not one right way to live or look as a couple. There is freedom. There's room for both of you to be who you are, to be fully yourselves and fully one, and to find joy and happiness in your marital union as it is. But as long as we stay preoccupied with getting our needs met by our spouses or adapting ourselves to better fit our spouses rather than growing up in the ways that the Lord desires us to, then we'll forever live in a fluctuating emotional state and in preoccupation with ourselves. And that will forever distract us from deepening our relationship with God. I feel really passionate about this and... There's more I could say, and I'm still trying to even figure out how to articulate this better. But when we don't know God's love, when our self-definition comes externally, we're unable to love our neighbors as ourselves, our spouses included, with the love with which God first loved us. 
Instead, and this has a ripple effect, right? Because we as the church will forever pass the buck back and forth, encouraging husbands and wives to try to play the right part. Yet all we will have done is engage in a positive feedback loop leading to nowhere, just an echo chamber for fluctuating happiness in marriage. And this isn't virtuous. It doesn't lead to advancing the kingdom of God. It leads to a collectively underdeveloped spirituality and relationality. So here's what you and I have to come to terms with. Your spouse is not responsible for your happiness. And your emotional state, your happiness, has everything to do with your perspective, your expectations based on that perspective, and where you're finding your identity and self-worth. So now it's up to you to identify which expectations of yours align with scripture, align with the spirit of truth, and which expectations do not. Which ones have been culturally defined even by church or Christian subculture versus which ones have been defined by God and his wisdom. And the other thing is, you and I have to do our own work. We have to be willing to let the Lord grow us up. Otherwise, this marriage thing will make us miserable. If we don't take responsibility for our own growth areas, for our own relationship with God and finding our identity and therefore our happiness in Him, instead of in our work or in our homes or in each other, then we will find ourselves living into less than all that God has for us. And I say this with so much confidence that doing the hard thing of self-reflection, of taking a look at ourselves, our sin, and our need for sanctification leads us to grace, love, understanding, goodness, and personal and relational health on the other side. I often say to couples that the point of marriage is our sanctification. Happiness is often a long-term byproduct of abiding in Christ and of letting the Lord redeem and transform and heal us, but it's a different type of happiness than the satisfaction of getting our ego needs met by our spouses. It's more a happiness that comes from contentment in your own life, peace with who you are, acceptance of your spouse, and a willingness to see the good in your spouse, in your marriage, and in your circumstances, despite the hard and the lackluster that live right there alongside everything else. I hope this gives you another episode to just think on this week, especially if these are new thoughts for you. If you're ready to take action, I would encourage you to make a list of your expectations for yourself in marriage and for your spouse in marriage and measure them against scripture and sound relational wisdom. Remember, there are some expectations that are reasonable. There are some things that we shouldn't compromise, but there's a lot that we need to let go of and surrender as idols in our relationships. As a secondary action step, if you're a longtime listener, would you mind to take a second and rate and review the podcast so that more couples are able to find the show? My prayer for us this week is that the Spirit would reveal our blind spots, those areas preventing us from living the lives we were meant to live and distracting us from the people God has placed in our paths to love. Reveal our hearts to us, Father, and enable us to change for our own well-being for the good of our marriages, and for the good of your church and your world. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. All right, friends, I will talk to you next week on episode 100. Have a great week. Talk soon. Bye-bye.
Love is not a bomb Love is just as fragile 